Greetings, we are back today on the last point of our outline, looking at the contrast between Islamic and Christian theologies. In these last few sessions, we have looked at how Islam challenges fundamental Christian views of God, man, and Christ. And now we are reaching the final point, and that is the Islamic challenge to the Christian view of the Bible. Everything we have said so far boils down to this point. We have, we have seen that Muslims and Christians disagree on who God is. We disagree on what is the problem of man and what is the solution to man's problem. And we have certainly disagreed on who Jesus is and uh, how he, uh, whether he died or did not die on the cross. But all these disagreements boil down to this issue, which scriptures can be trusted. We base all our beliefs on the, the Bible, and Muslim beliefs are basically rooted in the Quran. And so this becomes, in a way, the capstone of the difference between Islam and Christianity. This is the bottom line. Now, um, let me say something before we get into this topic. In talking about the disagreements between Islam and Christianity, we can focus on a host of issues. We can talk about cultural differences between the two traditions, uh, political issues between the two traditions, like issues about how Muslims treat, how Islam has traditionally treated women, issues of violence, issues that have to do with freedom and democracy. We can talk about moral and social and cultural issues, uh, moral, social, and emotional issues that divide Muslims and Christians. But what I have been trying to communicate in, this, in these classes is that all these other differences boil down to our theological differences. And as you go and witness to Muslims, try not to get distracted by so many other issues. Try to bring the conversations down to these fundamental areas that divide us. Now, so we have now come to the issue of the Quran and the Bible. In our first session, I want to mainly focus on how Muslims look at their Quran. I really want to give you some uh, good information, theological information, but more importantly, I want you to feel how a Muslim feels about the Quran. And it's important for you to understand that, to see the Muslim perspective. As we have said, uh, the, the, the doctrine of the Quran falls within... Uh, falls in, at the center of Islamic theology. God has been sending prophets throughout history to guide mankind back to the straight path. Some of these prophets have brought revelations or scriptures, and the Quran is the final such revelation from God. And thus, it's very important for us to know the will of God and the true guidance. The Quran has an incredibly unique position in Islam. You cannot appreciate the significance of it if you don't get some of, the in, some of the admirations that Muslims feel towards this book. This is how one uh, scholar um, explains the Muslim feeling towards the Quran. The, title, the, the article is entitled, The Muslim Lives by the Quran. This is what this professor says. He says, I have not yet come across a Western man who understands what the Quran is. It is not a book in the ordinary sense, 
nor is it comparable to the Bible, either the Old or the New Testaments. It's an expression of divine will. If you want to compare it with anything in Christianity, you must compare it with Christ himself. Christ was the expression of the divine among men, the revelation of the divine will, and that's what the Quran is. If you want to find a comparison for the role of Muhammad, the better one in that particular respect would be Mary. Muhammad was the vehicle of the divine, as Mary was the vehicle for the divine word. In fact, Muslims say, just as Mary was a virgin, and through the virgin birth, you know, Christ came into the world, Muhammad was an illiterate man. Through his mind, God revealed the Quran. And this uh, professor I was quoting from continues by saying this. There are Western Orientalists who have devoted their life to the study of the Quran. Its text, the analysis of its words, discovering that this word is from this culture and that word is Greek in origin. But all this is immaterial. The Quran was divinely inspired, then it was compiled, and what we have now is the expression of God's will among men. Another very prominent Muslim scholar, I referred to him yesterday, Sayyid Hussein Anas, makes similar comments. He says, the word of God in Islam is the Quran, in Christianity it is Christ. And then he says, the form of the Quran is the Arabic language, which, religiously speaking, is as inseparable from the Quran as the body of Christ is from Christ himself. Arabic is sacred in the sense that it's an integral part of the Quranic revelation, whose very sounds and utterances play a role in the ritual acts of Islam. Now, if you hear these comments, if you listen to them carefully, you see the feeling a Muslim has towards the Quran. We can almost say that whereas in Christianity, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh, in Islam, in the beginning was the word and the word became a book. Throughout the Quran, we are constantly told that this is not a human product. This is the very words directly coming from God through angel Gabriel to prophet Muhammad. Surah 18 verse 1. Praise be to God who has sent to his servant the book and has allowed therein no crookedness. Surah 39, verses 1 and 2. The revelation of this book is from God, the exalted in power, full of wisdom. Verily, it is we who have revealed the book to thee in truth. Surah 55, verses 1 and 2. God, most gracious, it is he who has taught the Quran. And there are numerous other verses in the Quran that repeat the same idea that God is the originator of this book. This is actually even more than just a book. The Quran refers to this as the mother of the book, as a copy of an eternal tablet in heaven. Surah 85, verses 21 and 22. Surah 43, verses 3 and 4. This is how another uh, Muslim scholar explains his view of the Quran. Uh, this is an article by Hamada Abdullati, and this is what he says. 
The true Muslim believes that the Quran is the word of God revealed to Muhammad through the agency of the angel Gabriel. The Quran was revealed from God piece by piece on various occasions to answer certain questions, solve certain problems, settle certain disputes, and to be man's best guide to the truth of God and eternal happiness. Now listen to what he says next. Every letter in the Quran is the word of God. Every sound in it is the true echo of God's voice. It, it, is, uh, it is still and will remain in its original and complete Arabic version because God has made it his concern to preserve the Quran, to make it always the best guide for man and safeguard it against corruption. And then there are numerous verses in the Quran that you know, affirm these statements. But I love what he says next. In testimony to God's conservation, conservation of the Quran, that is, the Quran is the only scripture in human history that has been preserved in its complete and original version, without the slightest change in style or even punctuation. The history of recording the Quran, compiling its chapters and conserving its text, is beyond any doubt, not only in the minds of the Muslims, but also in the minds of honest and serious scholars. This is a historical fact which no scholar from any faith who respects his knowledge and integrity has ever questioned. Throughout human history, no one has questioned this. As a matter of fact, it is Muhammad's standing miracle that if all mankind were to work together, they could not produce the like of one chapter of the Quran. There are some references in the Quran to this effect. I will give them to you because Muslims love to quote these verses. Surah 2, verses 22 to 24. Surah 11, verses 13 and 14. And Surah 17, verses 88 and 89. Muslims are absolutely confident of the total accuracy of the Quran and the truthfulness of the Quran. Now, before I get into the historical issue just a little bit, let me say a couple of more things. This is especially for some Christians who are not familiar uh, with life in a Muslim culture. It's very important for you guys to really listen and pay attention. See, living in the West, you assume that the purpose of a text is to be read and studied. But millions and millions of Muslims have not and do not look at the Quran like that. This, for many, is just like a sacred object. The purpose is not just to read and study. It's like used as a, as a blessing to, in the household, as a charm, as a, as a lucky charm. In Muslim homes, this is usually on the very top shelves of the house. Oftentimes, it is wrapped in, in a huge, thick cloth, so it won't get dusty. I remember growing up in a Muslim home that whenever we wanted to go on a, on a long journey, my mother or father would pick up the Quran from the top shelf, uncover the cloth around it, take the cloth off of the Quran, and then they would stand by the doorway with the Quran like this. And as we were leaving the house, we would kiss the Quran and walk under it. And we would do it three times. That's what we did as a kind of a protection from God over our lives. In Iran, 
all the Qurans on each page has a word on the top corner. On the top right corner of each page, it either has the word good or bad. And so when people want to make a decision about something, they close their eyes, you know, say a prayer, and then open the Quran like this, and then see whether the page says good or bad. Because they kind of say, this is how God communicates his will to us. It's like fortune telling here. So I want you to get a feel for how Muslims work with this book. I have known many devout Muslims in my life. Nobody has ever told me that they regularly read their Quran and study it. This simply is not viewed the same way that we interact with our Bible as Christians. Another cultural thing I want you to know about this is that, um, as, as I have said uh, in this class, and I'm sure you, you know, at least 75% of Muslims around the world do not know Arabic and cannot even understand the Quran or the prayers that they say in Arabic. Muslims go to a mosque and listen to the recitation of the Quran. And uh, its, its musical tone is just beautiful to their ears. They can even be emotionally moved and even cry. And then you tell them, what is the preacher reciting? What is he saying? They say, we don't know. We don't understand what he's saying. Muslims can be saying their prayers in Arabic, their ritual prayers in Arabic, all their lives. And many do not even know what it is that they are repeating every day. Now, why is that? Because if you remember, in Islamic theology, the point is not to know God or relate to God. The point of life is to obey God's command. We are God's servants. He has told us these things, and we obey them. The goal is not to develop intimate friendship with God. So you need to know theology has consequences for our lives. So for Muslims, this is the most beautiful book. It has come directly from God, perfectly preserved. Now, let me just give you a very brief outline about the Muslim belief and the traditions about how the Quran was preserved. Now, I know you've covered this in your other courses. So I'm not going to go into any detail. My point is something else. I want you to get a sense of how confident Muslims feel about this process. A very, very popular book that Muslims use about the Quran in English is called Ulum al-Quran. Ulum al-Quran means the sciences of the Quran. And the author is a, is a European by the name of Ahmad von Denfer. Supposedly, a Western convert to Islam, and Muslims consider him, you know, and his book, one of their top scholarly works. And in, his, in Von Denfer's book, this is how an Islamic scholar uh, lays down the chronology of the written text of the Quran. He says, around 610, Muhammad received his first revelations. Between 610 to 632, he continued receiving these revelations on various occasions. And then in six, and right before his death, at the death of the prophet, the complete revelation was left behind. Just about a year after prophet's death, Abu Bakr, the first caliph of Islam, orders uh, preparation of a single copy of the complete revelation. And then he says, during the first and second year after the prophet's death, the entire revelation was copied onto sheets. 
And then during the time of, uh, so Abu Bakr prepared that, and then during the time of Omar, those sheets uh, remained uh, intact. And then in, during, in 653, during the time of the third uh, Islamic caliph, Uthman, there were differences that arose between various dialects, various pronunciations of the Quranic text. And so Uthman ordered an, a revision of the Quran based on the copy that was made just a year after Prophet's death. And then I, this, is, this is the point that he gets to the end of. This is one of the authorities of scholarship in the world of Islam. He writes, several copies of the entire revelation available throughout the Muslim lands. A very confident assertion and one which your average Muslim anywhere in the Islamic world absolutely believes. That very close originals of the Quran are all over the world in the museums and the libraries. And so that's why your understanding of how Western scholarship has shown that that's not the case is very important as you witness to Muslims. What are the Muslim views of the scriptures, the Christian scriptures? As uh, we have pointed out before, Muslims believe, that's a very common charge, that the scriptures have been corrupted. This is the, the Quran is the final, perfectly preserved word of God. God had to send this because the previous books were either lost or corrupted. So we will, we will address this in our next sessions. But the charge of corruption is the first charge against the Bible. And then Muslim scholars have other charges. If you read Islamic apologetic books, you will see that they will, be, they will talk about the errors and contradictions in the Bible. They will talk about, uh, you know, the, that one gospel says this, one gospel says that. That's an error, that's a contradiction. And this is especially where Muslims love to quote, you know, from liberal Christian scholarship. Another charge, and that's something that you need to also know because it's very sensitive in the Islamic culture, is the charge of the immorality found in the Bible. Muslims really are shocked when they read accounts, of, accounts in our Bible talking about David committing adultery. Abraham lied about Sarah, his wife, to save his own neck. And they are just saying, see how uh, dishonoring the Bible is to these great men of God. How can this be true? Another charge that I want to interact with is the charge of pagan influences, on the, especially on the New Testament. Again, in Muslim apologetic works, this is very commonly found, that all these mystery religions in the Roman Empire influenced the New Testament. Now, one final charge that I want to interact with very briefly in our next session, it's, it's the charge that Apostle Paul corrupted the teachings of Jesus the prophet. In fact, when I was doing my research in Iran some years ago, uh, I was looking at what kind of books are published by Muslims about Christianity. Some of these books were beginning to say very positive things about the Christian faith and even about the Bible. There is a change of attitude among some Muslim intellectuals towards Christianity. But one charge that remained constant in all these books was that Paul corrupted the teachings of Jesus. So the letters of Paul cannot be relied upon as the word of God. 
So this is what I wanted to, just for you to, to uh, in terms of an outline, highlight some of the issues. As I said, I, I want you not only to have some information, but I want you to have a feel for how Muslims look at the Quran and then look at the Bible. You know, as, as non-Muslims, when we read the Quran, it just sounds very strange, just the way it's been arranged, the orders of it, the repetitions of the stories. But I want you to know that a Muslim has very similar feelings in reading the Bible. A Muslim reads the Quran and it's always speaking from a third-person perspective. It sounds like it is God that is talking to the prophet. Not all of the Quran, but the vast majority of it. If you read Surah 1, which is like a prayer introduction to the Quran, it doesn't sound like from God. It like, sounds like one of the Psalms. But that's just a general feel of the Quran. But when you read our Bible, it's Luke writing an account of Jesus. It's Paul writing letters to churches that have problems. Many of the, many of the ways that, that the, the books are written don't even say that they have come from God. The Quranic view of Revelation is that God has sent down his word to man. And the Bible just doesn't read like that. So Muslims struggle with, uh, with the Bible a great deal. And in the next session, we want to start making some Christian responses. We will try to interact very br briefly with some of the challenges from Islam. And we want to address the issue of the authenticity and authority of the scriptures. Thank you.